morning. Greet you in Jesus' name this morning. Truly been blessed for being here already. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Sunday school, we were looking at Paul and Corinthians. We're going to be continuing looking at Paul. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. Actually, I'll start at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And I'll stop reading there. Looking at the Christian armor, we're to take the whole armor and stand, and stand firm. Are you ready for battle this morning? The choice is yours. Thank you. We are to put this armor on. Why? Because there is evil. The day is evil. What is an evil day? Verse 12 refers to the warfare. It's not something that we physically encounter, but it's something that is stronger than what we can handle physically. That's why we need to take this Seriously. And heed the word of God. Imagine Paul is sitting in prison. And there is maybe a soldier or two soldiers or a multitude of soldiers around in his prison.
they're suited up. I thought of maybe a more tangible observation would be maybe a police officer or somebody in the military. You know, they have a set protocol that they have to follow in order to do their job. They need to be prepared. Did you ever notice, I've observed this and you probably have, but most officers walk with their arms out here. I always found that kind of amusing, but there's a reason why. They got a lot of stuff strapped on their belt. And it may be the protection that they have on their chest as well. First Peter chapter five, verse eight. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Do we understand our enemy? Do we understand the battle that we're facing? There's a battle going on. Imagine with me, it is June 1944. After a 24-hour weather delay, The largest military operation in history is about to begin. Preceded by aerial bombardment of coastal defenses and 13,000 paratroopers dropped in behind enemy lines, 5,000 ships and 156,000 soldiers are about to storm the beaches of Normandy, France. D-Day has arrived. Just before this invasion... General Eisenhower issued a letter to the soldiers. Soldiers and airmen of the Allied Expedential Forces. In this letter, he let them know that they were about to embark upon a great crusade bringing about the destruction of Germany, of the Germany war machine, the elimination of the Nazi tyranny, over the oppressed people of Europe and the security of ourselves in a free world. In instilling the confidence in this invading force, Eisenhower did not want, did not suggest in any way that the task would be easy and that the enemy would be defeated quickly. This is what he said. Your task will not be easy. Your enemy is well trained, well equipped, and battle hardened. He will fight savagely. Eisenhower, 
the general. He wanted to drive home to those soldiers the reality of the battle that they were facing. Failure to recognize this would have led to great casualties. As a follower of Christ, do I understand the seriousness of the battle? If I enter the battle on my own strength, I will fail. Having fellow comrades that are in the battle together, looking out for each other. Hence, that's why having brothers and sisters in Christ is so important. Ultimately, entering the battle with Christ is even more important. I like to think a little bit about the troops on the ground and how successful a battle is if the troops are all rallied together as for a common cause, for a goal, or whatever the ultimate desire of, of their operation is, it doesn't work if everybody goes into it with their own mind, their own opinion, and it brings chaos, it brings confusion. They may be whining, they may be complaining, they may be fighting amongst themselves, Do you expect to win a battle with that attitude? It is because we lose our focus on what really matters. Just recently I heard of a story, an act of sacrifice. And as as I was studying for this, I, I remembered it. Bruce Carter um, was his name, and uh, a grenade, it's when a grenade landed between a private first class Bruce Carter and his comrades during the Vietnam War, Carter selflessly threw himself over the explosive sacrifice, sacrificing himself to save his friends. Just a little bit of what happened on August 7. 1969, his unit came under heavy fire during an operation and encountered great hostility from the North Vietnam Army. This led to them being separated from their main body of squads and they became heavily targeted. They, in return, went very offensive and took after and defeated and looked like as they were retreating, they were fleeing from the area. And at one last attempt, this when this grenade was tossed and landed between him and his comrades and he threw himself and absorbed the full effects of the grenade, but saved the lives of those around him. We say, wow, a life of sacrifice. Do we have, do I have that same attitude to 
my fellow comrades in the battle of right and wrong. Scripture is very clear that Satan is real and is always against God and his kingdom. First John 5, verse 19 to 21. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding, that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Amen. Understanding what is temporal and what is eternal. Which kingdom are you in? Where do your loyalties, where do your loyalties, where do my loyalties fall? Who is your general? Where are your commands coming from? How can I become not? How can I keep from becoming a casualty in this warfare? This leads us to our illustration that Paul gives us as a metaphor of the armor. Putting on the armor for battle. It specifically says the whole armor. The armor here that Paul was absorbing probably could be dated. But the armor here in the Bible that we're looking at is not outdated. It will never be outdated. It will will always stand. It'll still work today. All who bear the name of Christ are to be soldiers in his cause. And we are required to take the armor and it will protect us. It will give us protection as the battle wages on. To put on all the armor is to offer protection from all angles. And then it says... Stand firm. Doesn't say run, but stand firm. As I was thinking, 
of protection and armor. I thought of the illustration or the example, and I, I was never a, a uh, I played some hockey, but I never got involved in hockey to the point where I bought tons of equipment. But some people have bought lots of equipment for hockey. And to be a goalie, um, I remember some people that really loved hockey, had all the equipment that you could ever want to be the goalie for hockey. And getting ready to play hockey sometimes took, I'm not kidding you, but probably 15 minutes to get ready. It was a lot of stuff to put on. But there was a reason for putting it on, and that was to offer protection. Because they were going to be in the line of fire. I also found it interesting as I was studying that just recently in 2018 that uh, soldiers here are going to get a updated armor suit. First time in decades that they get something better. It's going to be lighter and a little more protective. First piece of armor that I want to look at that Paul mentions here is the belt of truth. The belt had multiple functions. It may have been used to help hold clothing together at the waist, but it was also used to hold other pieces of the armor together. The sword was probably also attached to that belt. Truth is at the center of the Christian armor. Just as the belt was foundational element of the Roman soldier, so is the truth to the Christian. It wraps around us. As a Christian, we must hold on to what is true because truth gives us the foundation to which to stand. John 17, verse 13. This is where Jesus was praying for his disciples. John 17, verse 13. I'm going to read through verse 26. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak into the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, 
but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that thou also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, and they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundations of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is where the kingdoms collide. The world will hate you if you are in the kingdom of Christ. God's truth, God's word is unchanging. It will not change no matter how fast our culture, the world we live in changes. When you take God's word and believe it all the way back to the beginning of time with creation and you believe that, You know, right now our society is struggling with accepting some realities of truth. God's word, God's truth will make it clear. And it should have an effect on our way we live, the way we raise our children, the way we do business. And the way we engage in our communities. This belt of truth that wraps around us is visible from every area of our life. Having that belt of truth will help us to be able to call sin when it's sin. The next article is the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate offers protection to the heart of man. It also offers protection to other vital organs as well. 
faithfully living out the truth is part of what it means by putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 9. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is in God by faith. Having the faith in Christ. When we have the name of Christ and have chosen to follow him, That is the step of faith that gives us the power to be overcomers. Satan can sometimes tempt us and cause us to doubt our experience. Of our conversion. But as when we counter that with truth and we have established a date, a time that we have been converted that is when those doubts, those temptations can be squelched can be taken care of and as we move on we can be victorious and Satan is defeated The next article for the soldier is his shoes. Having the shoes, the gospel of peace. Do you give much thought to your shoes that you put on? Would a soldier do well without shoes? Probably not. Does a farmer do well without shoes? Probably not. Does a carpenter do well without shoes? Probably not. I was the type of guy that I always wore shoes. Going barefoot, I never was a an enjoyment. Some of you may obviously feel different about that. Shoes are important. Shoes that don't fit hurt. They bring peace. Shoes can bring peace as you run and walk and stand. You may have steel toe, you may have thick rubber for good traction. Never compromise. On shoes. Have good shoes. As the gospel goes forth. As the gospel goes forward. There will be. Different environments. That you will encounter. It may get slippery. It may get rocky. It may get steep. 
whatever the terrain, whatever the environment that you're in. Shoes. The gospel. Having the shoes of gospel peace. Will bring stability. How well is a soldier if he is slipping, if he's flailing, doesn't have good footing? It's useless. He may end up hurting himself before he even gets too far. It mentions the word preparation there. And as I was thinking of the idea of preparation, I'm not sure if it's referring to the preparation as us giving it preparation or if it's meaning the gospel and how it is prepared to those that we meet. And maybe it could mean both. I don't know. But giving some thought and some consideration in how to meet others' needs. Peace of the gospel is what equips us to travel over rough roads and to carry the gospel to others. The next instrument for a soldier is the shield of faith. The shield for a Roman soldier was probably about two and a half feet wide and by about four feet long. Faith shields believers from many troubles. And these troubles are compared to as darts. And darts are not a weapon that is used in a hand-to-hand combat, but much more used as projectile, and they're launched from a distance to strike the mark unexpectedly. So, a dart, a strong temptation, sinful thought can come unto a, upon us suddenly. Sin can sneak in to your defense and can inflame the lust, pride, anger, contempt, or any other sinful reaction. It comes unexpected. The darts that were used in combat were not just a dart, but were often a fiery dart. They were set ablaze. And the intent of their dart was to hit their target and to spread uh, flammable liquid over their target so that it wasn't just a punch, but it was more of an explosion. Uh, it was to inflict pain and wound and to bring them down. Understand that the Romans had shields that were made out of thick wood and they would wet them down so that as the fiery darts would come, that would 
extinguish the fiery dart. When temptation to sin hits its mark, they can set our minds and our hearts ablaze with wicked thoughts or desires. But it's as we take that shield of faith and that dart, that temptation, whatever reaction comes our way, we need to deflect it with the shield of faith. And as the illustration is with the Romans wetting down their shield with water, God's word also is water. Nothing will burn. There's protection. Taking God's word and using it to extinguish the fire is like water to real fire. It puts it out. The helmet of salvation, another very important piece of for a soldier. Your head. The helmet protects your head. Salvation protects us from death blows. Romans eight thirty eight. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we choose to follow Christ, there is no stealing us from the kingdom of God. If we slip, if we fall, It is because we have made that decision. I'm not nodding toward eternal security. But if there is a casualty, it is because we have made that decision. There is a hedge of protection. God offers us protection. There is a hedge of protection for the child of God that surrounds us. Example I thought of was Job. Remember, Satan came to Job and wanted to notice that Job was a righteous and godly man and acknowledge that there was a hedge about Job. And Satan couldn't get beyond that point. I may have shared this before, but I also remember a story of a man who wanted to see the protection of God. And he asked God if he could remove that protection for just a little bit. And it was very shortly thereafter, his boy come crying in with a broken arm. I caution about removing the protection Because God offers us protection. And why would we want to 
see anything different than that. The forces that are on the evil side are beyond something that I can ever stand against anyway. Don't pray to God to remove the protection, but thank God for the protection that He gives us. It may be physically, but ultimately it is spiritual protection as well that God gives His children. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Our helmet that we put on gives us confidence. The whole armor of God protects us Christians very well in the battlefield. And we need to be fitted in and have every part of it on us. And we don't just stop with that. But... We also need to be offensive. So the armor can be defensive, but we need to move on and be offensive. If you look at a game, is a game ever won by being just defensive? There's some good defense out there, but can a game ever be won by being just defensive? And I don't know if I have the answer to that. But I think we need to use defense and offense together. Because it's as defense works, and I'm using the example of a game, but as defense works, as you have players that work together in in defending for the goal of the offensive to move ahead to make points and to score, that is when you make progress. Um... To just be defensive and the offenses can't stand against the other defense, then there's no progress. The weapons that we have as a Christian soldier is the Word of God and prayer. There we found, you can find in Ephesians chapter 6. Every every Christian is equipped with the Word of God. We need to study it. We need to read it. We need to have the Holy Spirit to help reveal His truth to us and what it says. Physically, if you were a soldier and you would go to battle, how well would you bat- how well would you stand in battle without a sword? You'd be a laughing stock. You'd be a joke. You'd be made fun of. You wouldn't make any progress. How about the Christian and the Word of God being your sword? Do you take it every day, every morning? Hook it into your belt? Take it with you? As a Christian, we need God's Word. The sword is a weapon, both for defensive and offensive To weld the sword of the Spirit is to use Scripture to defend against the attacks of truth and to destroy the strongholds of false belief. 
understanding, I think, the, the concept of welding a sword, a sword is when two swords are met together and the conflict begins. We must not be afraid to use Scripture against any opinion, ideology, or worldview which would put place would place itself in contempt with God's word. What did Jesus do when he was tempted by Satan? He said, "Well, first of all, Satan was tempted." Jesus was tempted by Satan for the lurement of food, pride, and power. Those were his three temptations. But Jesus' Jesus' response to Satan was, in counter to his temptation, was, is it not written? He used the word of God. We can have that same power of scripture, the sword, and use, is it not written? When we are tempted... We need to connect to that. We need to familiarize ourselves with God's truth. If there's distractions that rob us from our time, what soldier is going to give up his sword in the middle of a battle? You're going to take effort at keeping your sword sharp. Your sword will be clean. Your sword will be shiny. And then prayer is another weapon of offense. What are we doing when we pray? We are approaching the very throne of the Holy Almighty God, the Creator of all things. God is eternal, He's unchanging, all-powerful, all-holy, and sovereign over all things, and we get to approach His throne with prayer. We need to pray all the time. I think it was Brian mentioned having the attitude of prayer. doesn't mean that we need to be on our knees all the time, but as we go about our work, as we do our stuff, whatever it is, do we have the attitude of prayer with us? I'm not referring either that we have to have our our heads up in the clouds all the time either. We still can be human, but yet we can still have the attitude of prayer. We are not only to pray for ourselves, but also for our fellow soldiers of the cross. We are in a war, and how do we keep from becoming a casualty in this spiritual war, warfare battlefield? Well, it says we pray and petition ourselves to God for the needs of others, encourage others in their battle. 
Make prayer and scripture a daily priority of your life. Our calling is clear. Under the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are to take up the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand the evil day and having done all, stand firm.